Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adela Marcy, and welcome to season five as we continue down that powertrain of craziness and awesomeness all at once. Uh, today we've got my friend and guest, Sashka, uh, who I'm not going to... Wait, what is Sashka? What is it Hannah Rappel? Is that yep. how you Okay, so Sashka Hannah Rappel, she's on here. She's from... Uh, brandsashka.com and she is probably like I spoke to Sashka about a week ago was it a week ago that we had that conversation or was it two weeks ago I feel like it was two weeks ago or like ten days ago or something we had a conversation uh, and immediately it was just one of those things where you just know you've met someone that you've met in a previous time um, but you never knew. It, it's crazy. Like it was so scary how similar we were when we were speaking. That I was like, she needs to come on the show. <laughs> this has to happen. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's so cool. It's a female version of Adil. Yes. Or a male version of you. <laughs> or a male version of me. Exactly. You, you were here first, so I would be the copy. <laughs> and you guys can probably hear my cats in the background. Well, being yeah. cats, they have this whole <laughs> habit where it's like, oh, dad's doing a podcast. Let's make noise. Um, Joyce is always with pets. So, real quick shout out to our sponsors before we get started. Uh, guys, we are, this episode is sponsored by brandsashka.com. Go check it out because uh, she's amazing, just all around amazing. Also, uh, this episode is sponsored by storysellingemails.com. Go there, check it out. I teach you how to write some better emails. Uh, and it's a free video, by the way. There's nothing to buy. It's just go there and watch a free video because I want you to. And I think you'd enjoy it. Anyway, <laughs> so let's jump right into the craziness of it. Also, like, you were an act. Well, you still are an actress. Um, and Dasa, curiously, how did you go from that to go into branding? Like, that's something I'm really curious about. How did you make that leap? Dude, um, I was doing it all the time. When you're acting, like from the age of five, I didn't know I was doing branding and marketing. It was just doing it. I, they, I didn't know that there was a name. So I've always been in the field until you get to high school and everyone's like, so what are you going to become? I'm like an actress. What else? What do you think I've been doing? <laughs> and then they'd make you do those career tests and then oh. acting doesn't pitch up and you're like, I'm mortified. What do you mean? I'm supposed to be going to Hollywood and you're telling me I should be a hotel manager, a psychologist, or in marketing? What the fuck is marketing? And then delve into that world. And before I knew it, I was studying marketing and advertising. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Just, just completely going to throw this in there. If anyone's like, what the hell is marketing? The correct answer, no one really knows. Yeah. Like, no one knows. It's like a variance of different things. Basically, it's professionally being an attention getter. Uh, so if you like being the center of attention or you know how to get attention, welcome to marketing. <laughs> That's pretty much it. But I love those I love those tests, those aptitude tests they give you because um, they never have the right careers on there. They always have careers that like you're like, what? what? No, that sounds boring. <laughs> Why would you make me do a boring job? I don't want to do that. Well, actually, all those careers and in inverted commas were all the things I, were in, I was interested in. So the, all the things that showed up, so, because I wanted to be everything, like lit, well, pretty much everything in the creative and creative field. So I'm extremely interested in psychology. So it was no wonder that psychology came up. I love networking and traveling. So they're a hotel manager. I'm like, oh, all right, okay. And marketing, I didn't know that it was a term. So all the questions that I answered and the result was then marketing. I was like, how did they get to that? And that's kind of like what got the whole strategic mind that I already had challenging the status quo. So it was like, oh, how do they get to this result? I want to know how people get to this result. I want to do the same. I want to ask people questions and get to a result. So then, yeah, that's kind of like where it goes. So for me, it was relevant, the, the career tests. That is interesting. Like just for the simple reason that like I have a very similar thought process but not in that way. Like I, I can't do, um, I love tests. They're, they're funny to me. I, I love them. My only thing I'm not a huge fan of that I kind of, um, I'm one of those people that has to, that wants to try everything <laughs> because that's why, like, okay. When I did my career aptitude test at school, I think I had, um, PE teacher cool. as one of my tests, uh, as one of my results. And I also had scientist, like biologist as my other one. Um, which was hilarious because I was actually taking both PE and uh, biology 
so I could actually go, uh, and then the next year I'd be doing psychology had I completed my course. So I could go into university to do a physiotherapy degree and a psychology degree by the time I was 21. That was oh, the wow. plan. Only downside is that I failed my first year, thought to the hell with this, I'm out, I'm going to start my own thing. Uh, kind of fun career choice. Though the, uh, you know how some people have that whole thought process, they're like, I wonder what if I if I had followed this through, you, you know that, right? You, you yes. Like, I wish I wish I followed this through. What if, yeah. Yeah, I had that, I was like, what if I actually stayed on one more year at school, you know, just go do this. I don't have to wonder that anymore. Because <laughs> I found out my cousin, uh, who lives in the States, who I'm about four years older than he is, we are so similar that he actually went through that he went through that career path and actually got both degrees in the exact same uh degrees that i was going to get which is physiotherapy and psychology oh wow so like when i see his life i'm like okay now i see where this would have gone <laughs> cool like I, that get is to, so cool. I get to vicariously look at your life <laughs> that is so cool no i haven't i don't have anyone like that in my life oh, that's man. just me just me going through this <laughs> See, I've actually, it's, it's scary because I hadn't seen my cousin for, God, I was, I think I was like 12, 17 years. I hadn't seen him for about 17 years, or would have been 15 years when I last saw him, um, when I first one began. I hadn't seen him for 15 years at the time and immediately just gone like a house on fire. And um, <sighs> just, it's brilliant. Last year, like earlier this year, I kind of got lucky uh, because my, he was in London. He, he, he was in uh, Spain. I thought he flew over, like, he, I thought he came over to London for a couple of days which he did, but I thought it was just him and he was staying at a cousin's house in the UK. Turns out his entire family was here and uh, they literally just surprised me. I was like, <sighs> There's, I, like one of my cousins, like his younger sister, I hadn't seen since she was three. Oh my God. She just turned 18. Oh my God. <laughs> so I was like, hi, Bina. like, hi, Adel. I'm like, you don't remember me that much. She goes, I remember you, but you look different. I was like, oh, so I was fourteen. I was like eleven, or no, I was fourteen at the time. I was like, I was fourteen. <laughs> oh I my different. god! <laughs> I grew up. Yeah, I I, I got slightly older. It, it happens, unfortunately. Age, <laughs> age, it, it it does that to you. Um, so, like something I was curious about, like as well with you uh, when we were speaking, like you have such a creative mind. How do you manage that? Um, because I know so many people, including myself, we have this idea where we can't, well, we can and we can't manage. Sometimes things get a bit too, too on top of this and we want to try too many things at one time. How do you Mm -hmm. actually deal with that when everything just comes at you? Two things. So for one, know how you think and how you process information. And two, do not fall into the trap thinking that you can multitask because that is not possible. So you have to concentrate on one thing at a time. That one thing could be one minute, but just on one t- one thing at a time. Also knowing how you process information and how you think. Um, just very simple terms for me, I need to hear something which is why I'm a very good listener. And whilst I'm listening to someone or something or an audio or whatever, or people around me, or just the energy, I'm able to process information in my mind, but getting ideas. But as a creative, if I leave it in my mind, I get overwhelmed. And that's when things start going haywire. So in order to get it out, I am also visual and kinesthetic. So I have to draw things, mind map, get it out of my mind for a specific topic, a creative idea. So I'm mind mind mapping it, which is the kinesthetic. And whilst I'm doing it, I can see it visually and then everything fits into place and then it's out. It's out of my head and then it's onto paper or I love paper. So I've got a lot of notebooks Um, and then just leave it there. And when it needs to unfold, It'll unfold, but I've been able to process the information. So my, I have a gazillion ideas, bajillion ideas every single day and business ideas even more. And I just put them on a piece of paper and mind map. So for me, that's how I process my creativity. So when it's out, then I make space for new stuff to come in so I can get inspired again. See, that's really powerful. I've been using something called the Kanban system as of late. Uh, our previous guest, John Benson, if you guys haven't listened to that, go listen to it because John is an absolute legend in his own right for what he does. And I'm so grateful that he and I are friends. Um, 
but what he taught me how to do was very similar this the kanban method i'm gonna butcher it very badly it's basically a visual process <laughs> oh cool so what i do is i have a whiteboard in my bedroom and on that whiteboard i have like the goals that i want so i have it set out in four lines um and it starts off so if i've got client work then i'll have client name and then now what i do is i put post-it notes underneath to like what work needs to be done and under each post each post notes a different color so if i'm working on yellow then all the post notes on the next board about like week one development for yellow are all there they're all lined up on different post-it notes cool so um and then same with purple blue and green uh it just follows all the way through so as i complete different checkpoints for different clients i get to move it along or i get to show the level of progress so for instance if i'm writing an email sequence um then i'll have name of client uh, work that I need to do is email sequence in yellow and then right next to that I'll have seven post-it notes each one with a different email outline of what I want to say and then cool. next to that I'll move it next to the completed section and that's how I keep track of things uh, for, for, for my work but I use that for creative stuff like I have this amazing idea for a painting and um, I actually have all the things I need written out and how I would do it so visually it helps me create but it's very, mm. it's very similar to your whole idea of getting it out. And I'm glad that you've mentioned that because I think I spent the majority of my life working on this uh, idea that has to be kept in my mind. Not, mm. But once it's out of my mind, it's so much easier because it allows it to like drain out. So I have less to think about. Yeah, well, you know, the whole decluttering thing or whatever, you can't put new stuff into a, a, clou a crowded space. You need to get rid of stuff before you put in the new stuff. So that, for me, I need to get it out of my mind. And once it's out of my mind, then I can go read a magazine and I have my two favorite magazines and then read and then I can get the creativity flowing again. But I can't do it if I'm, my mind's clogged. <laughs> No, I, I don't blame you. It's that mental clog can be a real killer. Yeah. <laughs> and a creative killer as well. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I mean, it, it kills so many things creativity, motivation, wanting to do things, getting lost like internally with your own head. That doesn't, that's, that's not helpful or fun. You know, you just reminded me of something else. A third thing, I mean, it's all different for everyone movement. So everyone's got their own movement. I need to walk. If I jog, it feels like I'm. It feels like everything's going all haywire in my mind. It's a really, but when I'm walking, I'm walking at the pace of my thoughts. So the quicker I go, the quicker I have ideas. The slower I go, the more um, controlled I can go through all the ideas. So I prefer walking. But yeah, that's my movement. And dancing, I think of nothing. Dancing and snowboarding, my brain goes dead. I'm just like, this is so much fun. <laughs> I'm glad you're a snowboarder. I'm so glad. Because I, I skateboard and I prefer snowboarding over like skiing. Oh, it was so, the first thing I learned. <laughs> yeah, it's so much more fun. Uh, but I was going to say, with, as far as it goes with uh, movement, it, it's interesting because it's this morning that I actually discovered what mine was. And um, I, I've been open about like, I think 2018 was probably my worst year that I've had in a very long time. Um, just really tested me on every level, emotional, familial, spiritual, financial, work, business, purpose. It just, you name it, it was tested. There was no part of 2018 where my life was like, I'm actually coasting. I'm okay right now. It was always constant, like, where's the fire that needs to be put out right now? Like, there's God. another one. Shit. <laughs> so it really, it, it really hit me hard. And what I didn't realize was um, early this year, well, not this year, early uh, 2018, I was doing jujitsu and um, someone may they remain nameless because I know they didn't mean it or I hope they don't mean it. Um, they put a shoulder lock on me. But the thing is, this shoulder lock is one of three of the worst locks you can be put in because you have to be very careful. Because if you're not, you can actually damage the other person's shoulder for a very long time, oh, almost cool. permanently at times. And because I'm hypermobile, this person thought, I'm just going to put it on. And they snapped it on, which you're not supposed to do. It overly hyperextended the shoulder and almost tore the rotator cuff uh, clean. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, so I was out of commission for, like, a month. And then I came back. And all of this, all of, like, 2018, I was in and out of, like, re rehabilitation for uh, physiotherapy and for my arm or for my back or for my shoulder. And I could never get consistency. So, like, this morning I went back and um, I trained with one of my closest friends, Michael, who's scary. 
Like, the, the, the nice way of putting it is he's Polish and he's strong as all hell and he's not that... I think he's like... Uh, he's 83 kilograms off my American friends, about 180 pounds, 185 pounds. Oh. Not not a big dude. 5'10", five, 5'11", five, but oh muscular, God. flexible, and dense. And <laughs> training with him is the worst because he never gets tired. He loves a good fight and he always brings it. So I think I fought him for 15 minutes today. Like we had uh, one round of 10 minutes and another round of five. I held my own. And afterwards when I was leaving, I was so happy. I, I have no idea why my brain was just in this euphoria of happiness. I messaged him <laughs> afterwards going, hey, really odd question, but you actually went for me today, didn't you? Like you didn't play easy. He was like, no, I was trying, I was actually trying to do something. The reason that you, the reason you tapped out at the end was because your arm went dead. It was like you literally like you left your arm in a position for so long that your arm literally just starts blood flow. That's that's oh the reason that you had to stop. I was like, <laughs> yeah. He was like, every time I try to like hyperextend it or move it in a certain way that I know it would get you to tap out, you managed to find a way out. I was like, oh, okay, that's good. Thank you, ego. I, I love that feeling. But for me, that grappling movement, that movement of flowing around and moving, mm-hmm. that is for me uh, expression. And that mm-hmm. is the nature of human movement for me. Uh, which is also the name of my art piece but like having that out there it, it really really helped out um and it's once i walked in through the door today like i'm doing this podcast i've got a very busy day ahead of me um but i'm ready for it like there's nothing in my way that i can't feel like okay i have a lot of stuff coming at me that isn't the most positive in the way that it is but i need to remove that emotion i need to go forward and that movement training really helped out so really i'm glad that you said that because far few people move well, they don't, and all, you know, just from a from a psychological or a I don't know quantum physics perspective, that what you were talking about now, where you're ready for your day and the movement, it's a as me through me conscious consciousness, um, which was I, I don't know who it was started by Michael Beckwith or Peter Sage, I don't know, but they both speak about it, and in that um, when you're going through the Um, as me consciousness it doesn't matter what's happening around you there could be a tornado but you're the calm in the storm in the middle so it doesn't matter what's happening by by doing movement as well you calming everything within you and the energy and everything's harmony instead of being all over the place and really oh my god i've got so much happening today and it's going to be so freaking stressed and i don't know how to do this and you're just in your through me uh in your as me consciousness yeah 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 that's powerful <laughs> sorry like sometimes i will get on these calls and you guys will listen to this there's times i'll be like damn i had that with sarah ne- negus she she was <laughs> like halfway through i was like god damn it <laughs> <laughs> now you got me thinking and i gotta do things like, i was happily enjoying doing this podcast and being engaged now i gotta think of some other stuff <laughs> it's called growth it's called learning yeah yeah <laughs> my least favorite word in the english language learning <laughs> or learn just annoys me like don't use it in advertising by the way like ever just don't it's, it's terrible ah so I, what's the re- that reflecting back to you ah oh, that's an interesting question ah. see, for me it's more i don't like the word learning i like the word discovering mm. for me it's discovery and it's revealing and uncovering because all those things for me are doing words learning just seems like i'm gonna be sat in a room with a constipated book hating myself <laughs> which very much like you as we mentioned my whole thing is like uh i'm auditory so mm. i listen but it's, it's very like all three auditory visual and kinesthetic are very high for me so i get to listen to something i'll absorb it but if i see something and then while if i see something while there's audio on, involved it sticks more but if I see something, there's audio involved with someone speaking and explaining it, and then I get to do it right away, it's perfect. Like, that's mm-hmm. how that's how quickly, that's the reason why jiu-jitsu is the sport I use, because it's, okay, guys, we're going to do this movement. I only need to see the movement once or twice, and if I don't understand, I'll ask, but, like, usually once, and I'm like, all right, cool, let's go do this. Cool. So much more fun to do. But I did want to ask you uh, to do, like, more towards something I was curious about because you take amazingly beautiful photos. Oh, thank you. Like, they're just brilliant. <laughs> Even your branding ones are brilliantly done. Now, my question is, how do you actually, like, do you take them yourself or do you have, like, a photographer come in or what? I have a photographer. Um, it's my circle of friends of uh, all creative, so photography, videography, 
graphic illustration. And um, when I work with my clients, I work a lot with your alter ego. And the photos that should come out should be your alter ego because that's where you have the most fun, where you're yeah. discovering, not learning. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and bringing that to the forefront um, and playing around with that because that's the, our higher self that we can have a lot of fun with. And mine, uh, coming from an acting background, so I love stepping into different roles and very powerful roles as well. So it'll be pirates and it'll be detectives and it'll be stage work and, I don't know, Mad Hatter or, you know, Alexander the Great, which is my name. So, yeah, so, yep. so just all of those things. So that's where the photography comes from. And then sometimes when things are on my website, the black and white photos, very simple. The photographer was like, so everything gone, just you. And I'm going, all right, this should be fun. Cool. I have no role to step into. And then she just took photos and I loved them. I was like, oh my God, I'm actually quite cool. Just being no character. <laughs> so I'm curious on this. How did you, like when, so I love going into voices. Like anytime I do characters, even for like stuff like Halloween, I love embodying that voice or that character, which is one of the reasons why it took me so long to actually do the Joker from uh, The Dark Knight because I had to make sure the voice is perfect. Otherwise, I wouldn't do it. Um, again, I obsess over these things. <laughs> uh, I had to actually, I wanted to ask, how do you like step into roles though? Like, how do you actually do it as an actress? Like, what is the way that you do that? Because I know if you have the implication that you understand the outline of the character that you want to become, when you step into them, you're powerful and hence your alter ego. And if you do that in day-to-day -day life, you can actually massively have huge growth in short spaces of time. My curiosity is, how do you actually do that? Like, what are the mechanics? Good question. For me, I've just done it. I think it's because um, hmm, you can use all the words that you want. Being an empath, I'm connecting on a soul level, I'm connecting on a spiritual, energetic level. I would just read and, like, for example, I did the play Waiting for Godot, and my best friend and I did it, and I read it, and I was just like, okay, cool, and then just act it. So you just embody that person, how they would think, smell, breathe, fart, whatever. You, that's just who I become then. And I love that. I just become that person. I can just step into the role. I, I don't think I don't, there's maybe a system to it. I don't know, but I don't have one. I just do it. <laughs> that's incredible. See, the, the thing is, like, it always in, in, interests me because there is, um, what's it called? There is a way to actually ensure that you can actually there is a step process what i'm trying to say on how to get to there and i thought you might have yes. actually figured it out because for me like for right for for getting into voices for me it's pure obsession mm. that's the only way i can do it is i have to obsess with someone's voice until it becomes my own <laughs> um and it's it, the reason i can do like uh because heath ledger's joker has a very distinct american accent and it's uh, it's very Tom Waits, so you kind of mm. have to get that rasp in your throat and going. And that took me that that genuinely just that rasp alone took me four years to develop. Oh, because that it it's just now I can just step into it. So it's like hello, We're like no, that's not it. Sorry. <laughs> I get to it. Hold on, and I thought I just there we go. So that voice just appears. Very very simple. Wow. But it takes, again, in the mind, in my mind, I have to go through like a step process of like there is a phrase that I have to trigger that response. Otherwise, it just falls apart. So I was just curious, that's all. So what was well, one you go? Sorry. Yeah, well, you do do research. I mean, um, I was watching an interview. I've forgotten his name now. But the guy that's acting uh, Freddie Mercury in Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, Ryan Malik. Yes, yes, that's it. And he was saying, you know, even before he got the role, when he heard that he might be getting it, he just went on a rampage and just started doing all the research. He went to all the places that Freddie Mercury was at. He went into the studios. He just absorbed himself into the world. And you just become that person and, and, and embody that space. But the there's, a, there's an art in acting in which you have to switch off. Lady Gaga was saying the same that after a star is born, because she always wanted to act, as the day the the filming stopped or ended, the very next day or the same day, whatever, she went and dyed her hair blonde because she had to get out of the role that she was playing.
but that person was still with her. It's very difficult for an actor or an actress to step out of the role and to go back to your own identity because you become that person so much for such a long time and you embody their thinking and thoughts and how they would do this and how they would think like this. You just become a different person. So you have to be very anchored in who you are in order to step away from that identity as well. That is very powerful and quite true. I'm going to add something to that, which is um, also being able, like, if you haven't found your voice and you've been trying to, like, you've just been running through every single other person's voice there is without finding your own, mm. spend some time to figure out that voice first. Because yeah. um, I didn't for about 27, for, for, so if we started my career at 18, <laughs> even though the career was younger, but, like, let's just say I started at 18, um, by the time I was 27 and 28 i actually didn't know my actual voice in writing because mm. all my like if you read my post from like 2016 or 2015 i think i was posting on social media maybe once a week <laughs> like really not a big guy on like posting around i was like well are you on other message boards you should post content and all this i was like i don't know what to say like the stuff i want to say it's it doesn't it doesn't appeal to me <laughs> i don't mm. like writing about it um, and then when I found my voice, which is the one which I found through this podcast, believe it or not, is um, really helped me kind of understand myself. And I, I think that's what's kept me like really locked in and grounded to being able to get into other people's heads very quickly and come back mm. out. You know, it's also we taught from a very, very young age, and I, I usually do this in my signature talk, is that um, from a very young age, we taught how to copy. And it's not a bad thing. We just don't, we're not then taught how to step out of that copying, like acting, that identity. And the first question that we get taught is, so what are you going to become? What do you want to be when you grow up? And you learn to imitate different people in their profession. And you're going, oh, well, that person is what my parents admire because they're your role models. And you're going, well, that makes them happy. So I should become that person. And you step into that role and then there'll be other roles that you step into. That person's popular, that person's got more friends or girlfriends or whatever. And I want to be that person. And you never find your own identity. And in teenage years, that just like screws you up. Then you don't know where the hell you're going. Um, instead of giving the freedom, I think this is like with a big movement of um, – or big movement. I think it's just more coming to the forefront, like with the book, The Rebel Girls, um, and that whole book and podcast, just showing girls that you don't have to be a Cinderella. You don't have to sit around waiting for some guy to come and portraying different women and that you can be whoever you want to be, how you feel. So it's just finding your identity is so important. It's just that nobody shows you how. There aren't many role models that show you how. And Jay Shetty uh, said in an interview um, where he was saying, you know, you cannot become something that you don't know. He didn't know he wanted to become a monk because he didn't know what a monk that you could become a monk. He only knew things like, you know, in his family and upbringing, become a lawyer or a doctor or something in finance. And that's what he thought he needed to become. But if you see things that you can become that spark your interest and your values and your your talents and your gifts, then you're more like, oh, that's what I want to go, that direction, then it's easier for you to find your identity. But if you don't have those role models around you to stop the copying or to or to segregate or segment the copying, then you always stay in that false identity. Agreed. Agreed so, oh, so heavily on that. Now, one of the things I will give people right now listening to this is uh, a very quick step process. I figured out to understand my own voice. And it's really simple and you feel free to jump in at any point. I'd love to get your opinion on this. For me, it's write a 500-word article on anything you love, record a three-minute video, and then record a three-minute audio all separately, and see which one you find the easiest mm. and you find the most fun. Like for me, I know I'm great in front of the camera. Mm -hmm. like in fact, I'm going to YouTube on Friday to shoot six months' worth of content right now, like a huge amount of content, so just get it out there and it drops. The problem is I hate editing. Mm. Genuinely cannot do editing. I don't like doing it with writing. I don't like doing it with anything. But where it's the most bearable is audio because I don't have to think about, ooh, do I look right or did I say the right thing or can't take this out? Audio is just like I can manipulate the audio and just stitch it back together or I can make sure there's like dead space here and there or whatever it is. It's 
completely fine. And I find when I found my voice using that simple exercise, I actually started to realize the more I wrote, the more I started to write and sound like myself. And then it was, as you said, as Jay, as Jay Shetty said as well, which is understand what it is that you want to become first and then know that you can become it. So if you wanted to be a writer, find out what a writer does and how their process is. Don't follow Hunter S. Thompson, though. That man was a crazy, <laughs> he was a crazy person who's incredible as a writer, but he was a mad man. His schedule was, have you seen his schedule, like his daily schedule? Mm-mm, no. Oh, they post it online. There's so much cocaine. Oh my God. Like, seriously, start, wake up in the morning, cocaine. And oh it's my like, God. He doesn't start writing, until, like he has a full day. And then he starts writing at 11 o'clock. Like, 11 p.m. till 4 a.m. is when he writes. And he goes, oh, in between then, tons of cocaine. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> in the end, he killed himself. That was the oh. thing. He, like, it, the cocaine didn't kill him. He was like, I'll do it myself. I'll get the job. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I want like, speaking about writers, you wrote a book, if I'm not mistaken, sold out. I did, yeah. Yeah, tell us more about that. Like, because... You didn't even mention that to me. I only found it on your website. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, you was busy speaking about it now, and it leads into that, is that um, the perception of identity. So for you, the way you were describing it now, correct me if I'm wrong, the identity, um, (laughs) speaking German English there, the identity is very strongly linked to your profession. And I put purpose over profession where your identity lies. So I am not the person that advocates to be one thing. I believe that you can be many things, but all those things are driven by your life purpose, which isn't your profession, your talents, or your gifts. And that's what my book's about. It helps you. um, I strongly believe that all the answers are within you. Like I'm not, I'm, this is where the psychology kind of comes in as well. It's like I ask the question so you find the answer and all the questions I ask are more from my value standpoint, like creativity, wisdom, passion, imagination, and humor. And those are the questions that I ask you to bring out of you, your life purpose. And it's very simple. Like it's super, super simple. It's nothing complicated. It's just enough questions to get you thinking and challenging the status quo and just going, oh, so this is this is what I've been doing all my life. But when you're five years old, like when you asked me at the beginning, how did I get into branding and marketing? I didn't know it was called that. I needed life experience to be able to see it, study it, put it into form, into some kind of language and 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 something tangible. And this is the same with the life purpose. We have it with us, accompanying us. We just don't know what it is until we get to a standpoint where – you may be a doctor and suddenly decide, I don't want to do this anymore. Like it's it's not making my heart sing. It doesn't light me up when I wake up in the mornings or when I go to bed at night. I want to be, I don't know, a yoga teacher or I want to be a gardener. And there's a reason behind that because there's your life purpose. You could hop from business, uh, from profession to pre- profession trying to find that connection and fulfillment, but you'll never find it until you realize I'm doing my life purpose because it lights me up from the inside out. It takes my breath away. And it's so independent of your profession and of your talents and your gifts. So that's what the book's about. It's very easy to read. It's got a 50-page workbook as well. And it helps you find your life purpose. And then Uh, out of that, I create your brand. And this is why Adel is ordering this. (laughs) (laughs) very quickly hitting add to cart <laughs> I'm trying not to type too quickly but I do I love reading books I love getting books and stuff like that gifts and so and because like when we do meet I, I hope by then I'll have the book with me so when I do see you I'm going to get you to sign it because it'll be fun <laughs> cool. I like signed I like signed copies of things like sue me for that people I don't mind I, I to be fair I've had friends in America that write like business business owners all around the world write books and they're like oh yeah no totally you. it's like could you just send me a signed copy and they're like I was like I don't mind paying for it like I have no problem paying for it just sign it for me I'm like yeah I'm sure I'll do that <laughs> randomest people ever like one of my friends Andy Shaw who I've been trying to get on the show for five years now but our schedules have not lined up and oh, I no. love him because his mind is brilliant he wrote a book called A Bug Free Mind oh, the cool. crazy thing is I met Andy. 2010 
2010, like eight years ago. So I was about 21. I met him and he was a huge property guy in the UK that ended up losing it all and then like become this um, business coach and then became like very, very switched on how his mind worked and he started helping people with the mindset stuff and it's just like the, the brand grew like crazy. But the reason I bring him up is because I remember sending him an email saying, hey Andy, I'm just about to buy your books. Like they're two books. They're like 40 pounds for two books. Oh. Yeah, it, I was like, really? Damn, these are the most, at the time, it was like the most expensive book I, books I owned. Today, like one of the books I have on jiu-jitsu is like worth literally like three or four thousand pounds. Oh my God. <laughs> like I did not pay three or four thousand pounds for it, but it's like, because it's out of print. Oh, wow. And it's a very rare collector's edition. I'm like, that is uh, very, very happily staying with me. <laughs> it's a really good book as well. Anyway, um, so the book, I remember sending a message to Andy going like, hey, Andy, I know we're not smoking absolutely ages. By the way, uh, could I get a signed copy of your book, please? And he was like, I don't have any in the office, but if you order them, uh, I'll grab a couple and send them over to you. Just tell me what your address is. So I sent it to him. I was like, ah, I'm just going to get my books like normal. No, he actually signed them and sent them to me as well through Amazon. It was like the best thing ever. Oh, wow. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things. It's like one of the reasons I love reading. But something that I want to clarify for people, just because uh, I know we didn't get twisted, but just in case like people hearing back do. Um, Sashka and I actually both believe the exact same thing, which is in the sense of you shouldn't be limiting yourself to just one level of creativity or one thing. Because mm. I, if that was true, I would not be able to do the things I do. <laughs> like I would not be able to like so diversely be able to go into this podcast and have a lot of fun and then have the same levity and brevity and all the fun stuff that I do when I'm writing mm. or have all the fun that I have when I'm doing videos or have all the determination when I'm doing jujitsu or whatever it is like or even art or poetry or any of the things that in my life that make me complete the only reason I can is because it's all about understanding my own creative force like for mm -hmm. me, creation, uh, creativity is my highest value. And mm -hmm. expression through creativity is my, it's probably my second highest value. It's very close, like one and two. Um, so I just want to clarify that we're both on the same page. <laughs> yes. This is one of those where like Adeline and Sashka were not agreeing. It's like, no, we agree. <laughs> we just said it in two different ways. I want you guys to know that. So we're on the same page. <laughs> we're on the same page. Yes. Yes. So we're like, multi-passionate. Yes. Damn right. It's what we do. We need mm. There's a poly word in there for that. <laughs> Polypassionate, I'm calling it. That's the word if it doesn't exist. Because I know what a polymath is and a polyglot, but polypassionate is another one. Anyway, um, some of my favorite questions I love to ask on the show, and the floor is yours. Oh, like last season four, I came up with this question. Season five, I'm expanding on it. So instead of three, we're going to five. What were five books, and bear with me, five books that had the biggest impact on your life. Now, three of these books, I'd say, would be nonfiction. Two of the books can either be fiction or movies. And because it's you, what would you say would be your favorite play that you'd love to watch? My favorite play? That you'd love to watch, like a theater piece. Oh, Could be a musical as well, allowed to be a musical. Yeah, musicals are good. Musical, yeah. Hmm. My favorite play. Actually, let's change that up a little bit. Not to watch, but to participate in. Like, it doesn't matter if you can or you can't. I would just love to know what would you love to have participated or to participate in. Oh, that's such a good question. There's so many. But what would I like to participate in? I mean, I could participate in anything. It could be drama and it can be comedy. Um, I think I would, because I haven't done it, My Fair Lady. It sounds really cliche, but I would have loved to have done that because it's an old one. And musicals, oh, man, if I could take a classic Hollywood mm -hmm. and put that onto a play. Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. I'd have to think about that one. I don't know. There's so many to choose from. I don't know. You can't say Nemo. <laughs> it's true. See, for me, I would love to be a part of uh, the Book of Mormon or Hamilton. Yeah, and I still need to see Hamilton. I'm constantly. I haven't, I haven't seen it. I've I've only listened to the because the thing that makes Hamilton unique is unlike a lot of musicals and plays, they have music and then they have dialogue. 
Mm. The entirety of Hamilton, the whole two and a half hour show is all hip hop. There is no actual dialogue. It's all it's all rap. Oh, cool. Like literally every scene is a song. I love that. Oh, so, cool. So if you listen to it on Spotify, like I yeah. do, um, you actually end up listening to the whole musical. So you know everything when you go in, but it's watching it live as well that has like a whole different effect. And a side note of humor to this, uh, one of my one of my closest friends, in fact, my best friend in London, uh, she's from New Zealand, and shout out to Shauna. Hey, what up? I, I know she <laughs> listens every so often. Um, but one thing that I said, that I did for Shauna, and she hated me for, was there's a song by Justin Groff called You'll Be Back, He Plays the King uh, in Hamilton. He has three songs. But he does the song, You'll Be Back, so I decided... I can't remember why. It's I think I pinned her or I was play fighting with her. And that song came on. So I decided to sing that song in Elmo's voice <laughs> for the entire three minutes. I, I sang along to this song as Elmo. You oh have to realize God. the commitment that went into that because I kept doing it. And uh. she, the thing is, if I say that ain't cool as Elmo, it makes her laugh every single time. So, uh, I actually have a, like, so that was basically it. So she decided to fly out to, because she watched Hamilton in the UK, but then she flew out to Broadway, to, to America, to watch it there. This song came on. <laughs> she started laughing. And her friend gave her the evilest look. In the intermission, I got so much abuse sent to me by a text. I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe you did that. Such an <laughs> asshole. I was like, what did I do? She was like, I just burst out laughing at this song. I was like, Elmo voice? She was like, yeah. I was like, my mission has been accomplished. Oh, no. <laughs> the funny thing with Hamilton is initially I hated it. I genuinely hated it. The reason is because, again, Shauna, she was trying to rap, but it was so out of key. <laughs> I was like, I hate this thing. But when I listened to it, I was like, Oh, this sounds good. Yeah, I'm totally into this. <laughs> just, oh my god, just, it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> but I digress. So back to you. So be, so what would you say would be the three biggest nonfiction books that had the most impact to you? Mm, Breakthrough Experience by Dr. John Demartini. I love him. Uh, the Alchemist, Poella Kello. I can't remember his name. Paula Coelho. I'm actually reading that right now. Paula Coelho. I, I've read that book so many times. It's my Same. favorite book. Same. Um, and there's a book that I read when I was, oh God, I was a teenager, and it was in church, and it was uh, You Were Born an Original, Don't um, Die a Copy. Um, I can't remember his name. John, Jason, Jason, someone. I'd have to send that to you. I can't remember now. I've had that book with me since I was 10, 12, um, those would probably be those three books just to get me thinking differently and flip the switch so it's not seeing things at, you know, face value. Yep. Yep. And non-fiction, Harry Potter. I love Harry Potter. I've read all the books. <laughs> you know what? I want to watch Fantastic Beasts. <gasps> like the, the, the Crimes of Grindelwald, because, like, by the time this release, it would have been a couple of months ago, but, like... I went to watch that and uh, I loved it. I watched it twice. A lot of people have criticism against it, but I'm like, it's a movie that you know that's part of a quintilogy, I guess. Because it's not a trilogy. It's it's a it's a five part movie. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I absolutely love it. And and the actor, the main actor, I don't remember his name either, but uh, he's brilliant, <laughs> fucking brilliant. And um, I have this you know, that he's uh, that he's playing an autistic character. Like I actually reckon Newt Scamander's autistic. Oh wow! Hey, I thought of a play that I want Go to ahead. act in, Peaky Blinders. If it was Ooh. made into a play, yeah, no, I, I can get behind that. I love Peaky Blinders. Yeah, I can love that. Um, <laughs> and another nonfiction book. Oh, God, I don't read so many non-fiction books. No, no, no. no. You've got pray, a fiction. Oh, pray say, so you've got a fiction book. You've given us three non-fiction. I've given three non-fiction. Hmm. Well, the, the, the Alchemist counts as non-fiction. Okay. Because it's, it's, it is fictional, but also it's non-fiction simply because it's like a self-development book as well. It doubles yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like that one I count as non-fiction. <laughs> uh, and Soul for Happy. 
by Mo Gordet. I hope I pronounce his surname properly. He's I amazing. I will check that out. Sounds amazing. Yes, yes, it's really, and his story is incredible as well. Huh. I will have, again, it's one of those things that you and I will have to go into a little bit more discussion of. Um, <laughs> but one of the, so the one we have a little bit more time, but one of the things I did want to say as well was um, so one of the. One of the things that really, really troubled me in 2018 was, like I said, every challenge that you could imagine just hit me like a freaking freight train. So my question is, for you at least, when life has hit you as a freight train and just run your ass over, how do you, at that moment, regain your confidence to get back up again, like one more time? How did you do it? You know, that's such a good question. I don't know if I was born with it or if I was taught it, but I always get back up. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just get back up and I just go. There's no methodology to it or what gets me back up. I just know the next morning, today's going to be different. It has to be different. And even if it is different, tomorrow will be another day. Tomorrow will be another day. And it's just going to keep on going, even if it's Groundhog Day for a very, very long time. I know it's going to be different and it's also the you know, before it was more of a struggle to get up and go but because I've done a lot of mindset work and personal development and changed my habits because I wanted to and created new habits that serve me and don't hold me back when something really gets me down now I'm not in a victim mode anymore these consciousness so I'm not in a to me or a by me consciousness I'm more in a through me and as me consciousness so I go from where I am now and put myself in that alter ego in my higher self and how would that person be in this situation today and then live that person as opposed to living in the victim mode that's incredible <laughs> Because it's true. It's such a powerful thing to go into because very few people really understand exactly how powerful that thought process can be. I mean, myself speaking, um, but I actually believe for you it's not a case of um, you weren't taught it or whatever it was. So I, I, it's, it's natural. It's natural, yeah. Because the way I have it as well with myself, I know for a fact that when I start with... <sighs> How do I put this? Whenever I start off with a situation when I'm on my back, you're going to have to kill me to get me to quit anything. Mm. It's very hard, to, like, unless it's, you know, detrimental to my health, and yeah, sure, it makes sense to quit then. But when I'm talking about when it's something that I'm like, it's not harmful. Mm. It's something that I know I can do, or if I'm working on a project, I'm a dog with a bone. I don't <laughs> know how to quit. The problem mm. with that is sometimes I get very obsessed with things and then I don't start because I need to make sure it's correct and perfect before I get started. So yeah. that's a whole different kettle of fish for me where I just basically kind of have to run with. And also great expression of kettle of fish. I've always wondered where they came with that, came up with that, but it's a it's an English norm now apparently, <laughs> so we can keep it. I guess my favorite question to ask you as we just round off the interview, if you could give people three pieces of advice, and you can take this for as long as you want, Three pieces of advice that they can do today to go from where they are and step up or just move one step closer towards what essentially is their creative purpose. Mm -hmm. What do they do? Or even with their brand. Let's even go with that. We're going to throw that in as well. <laughs> throw that in as well. First thing is that you're not lost and you're not broken. So even if you're going through the worst year in your life, that is the, li that is the year that is going to be the epitome and you're going to be so grateful for it. So you're never broken and you're never lost. You just need a different perspective and it's learning to find that different perspective. Just look, you know, just flip the coin. You can always see things differently. Uh, another piece of advice is never let anybody tell you that you can't do something. Um, there's no such thing as can't. Um, my favorite saying from Alice in Wonderland from the Mad Hatter is only the impossible is possible. Um, the third thing I would give you, ask you to do, uh, because it makes your heart sing, it solves a lot of problems, and it's super fucking simple. 
and it's laugh. Just laugh, 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 belly laugh, like snort laugh till you're crying, until your snot comes out your nose, <laughs> laugh. Because eventually you'll also maybe cry and that cleanses the soul and then everything looks brighter. See, that's powerful and I'm definitely... So this is kind of a fun one that I wasn't going to share publicly, <laughs> but I think everyone should listen to it. Like, so in 2018, I went through a transformative uh, a transformative process with one of my clients to help me with like my mindset and mm. really rediscover my life and my passion, the reason why I'm here and stuff. And it was very powerful. The only thing that that was the first time in, in the presence of three men, by the way, which was huge for me because I have this, I have this huge thing about like uh, if men are older than me then I can't really relate to them and there's a weird fear with it as well but in the presence of three very loving men that were helping me through this process of like digging out all my crap um, the internal crap I cried for the first time I like a very deep cry it was really beautiful cool now on Friday a couple of days ago I uh, we're recording this on Monday on Friday I basically was sat in my room and it was really cozy it was one of those days where Everything was cozy. Like, just the room was warm. I was in my comfortable bed. I, I was fixing things, but I was getting work done. It was a relaxing day. I decided to watch a YouTube uh, show that I like called Russell Howard. I, I like the comedian Russell Howard, so I was watching his thing. And he, start, and he showed a video at the end of... He was like, if you ever feel terrible, or if you just feel sad, or whatever it is, or you just don't feel like you, can't, you, you don't have anything to be grateful, it's like, watch this video of people learning, like hearing for the first time. Wow. And oh my God, just seeing it right now, we're almost like the waterworks were almost coming right back <laughs> But like, I started crying, like really started crying. And I was like, I remember in that moment kind of going, why am I crying? I don't understand this. I've never felt like that emotion of crying before. I felt love and happiness and I can relate to them, but it's just that, that, that beauty, the pure innocence of that person hearing for the first time made me weep. I just I just cried. I just let it all out. And for me, crying is a very hard thing to do. Uh, so, which is why one of the things I used to say for a very long time was I was envious of anyone that can cry because and they cleanse their soul and I couldn't. <laughs> well, I had to learn that as well. But also, crying um, is a huge part of your life purpose. So the reason why you cry about certain things, there's a deeper meaning behind it or a, or, or a, or a deeper answer or the epiphany or the anointed answer because it has a lot to do with why you're here on earth and your life purpose for the reasons that you cry. That's very powerful. And with that said, on that happy note, I'm going <laughs> to say goodbye to you guys. And I'm going to say to you guys, go check out brandsashka.com. Go get her books. It's brand, B-R-A-N-D, Sashka, S-A-S-H-K-A.com. Go check it out. Uh, she has some cool stuff on her opt-in list as well. I th Just just get on. Like I know she holds challenges from time to time. So like get on one of those challenges that will help you with your business and life and purpose and everything else. And uh, Sashka, thanks again for taking the time to do this interview. I really appreciate you, appreciate you coming on board. Thank you for having me. It was nice speaking to you again. Likewise. I know we're, I'm probably going to get you back on the show again at some point <laughs> in the future because I, I love talking to this woman. So, guys, we will get her back on. If you yeah. haven't already, uh, rate, subscribe, and review this show. The more ratings or subscriptions that we get on iTunes, the better it actually gets me like bumped up and I can help more people. Guys, take care, have fun, and kick ass today. Bye.